Hey everyone, Gaines here, coming at you with another episode of WOW TV. We're looking at episode 3 for October 18th, 2018, and we're looking at all things classic WOW. Hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, so today I wanted to do a focused episode on Classic Cast episode number 16, sort of a review of the two-hour-long podcast and try to dwindle it down to some of the high-level main points. Um, in the episode, they uh, featured guest Kevin Jordan, who was one of the original game designers for Vanilla WoW. And uh, you can find him as Failure Analysis uh, on Twitch. Uh, so some of the first things that they established were his background and uh, some of the kind of unique things that uh, of where he was featured within the game. And one of them was that the Staff of Jordan item is actually named after him. Um, and he did a lot of the game design, not really the math associated with how how hard things hit or uh, what it is that uh, the spell tables um, will actually show for each class. But he did talk about how difficult it would be to try to avoid picking uh, favorites among each of the classes. Um, and then he went into talking about what they tr what their plan was um, initially when they were just starting out the project and one of the big things that they focused on was first establishing what was the number of classes that they were going to have in World of Warcraft and they decided to settle at nine and uh, they wanted to incorporate heroes from the war original Warcraft games into World of Warcraft and then have those classes each represent that hero in some way kind of your your own personalized form of that hero and uh, going into it a little bit more, they, they went into how the originally before this talent system that has now become so trademark within the Blizz within, within the World of Warcraft community, um, they had the idea of doing a hero class system where once you reached a certain level, your class could transform into a he uh, in failure analysis or Kevin Jordan uh, actually uh, highlighted mountain kings. Uh, torn chieftains and even demon hunters that you could become as a hero class once your character got to a certain level and that your abilities would change your looks your functionality etc but they they he couldn't get into too many details as to why the system ended up not working out uh, but he did mention that it was flawed in that um, in that they they uh, didn't work out how uh, numerous people could benefit from that content. Um, so it wouldn't be for every person because not every person would get to those later levels. And so when you already have 27 different specs and talent trees and, and different abilities to worry about, it just didn't make sense to incorporate all of these different changes that only a few people would benefit from. So they decided to go with the talent system. Um, there's also There was also an interesting point within the uh, interview where uh, they tried to avoid... He said that they actually focused on not creating complete class balance. And you might be thinking, that's kind of crazy, right? That a game designer would actually be focusing on creating an imbalance within each of the uh, characters. But he said that creating a little bit of imbalance is important because if everyone is balanced, it creates homogenization within classes. And there's no unique class identity. So you don't feel an emotional attachment to your character. And that's interesting because we see that happening in modern WoW, where a lot of these, uh, a lot of these different classes are basically getting dwindled down into almost cookie cutter templates. So it's interesting to hear an original game designer essentially veer off the path, you know, the the the, the well built path of, hey, you should have equality within each of the characters' strengths. 
Um, originally, the intent was to give players the ability to fulfill the fantasy of each class. Unfortunately, because of the because of the design of, for example, Flash of Light with Holy Paladins, the the Paladin class essentially came down to only have only being able to have one viable spec. For example, Paladin tanks didn't have enough ability to tank because, for one, they didn't have good ag- uh, threat generation, and two, uh, they didn't have the ability to really be as um, as uh, have as much survivability as, say, a warrior or even a feral druid. Uh, they, he also mentioned how the DPS wasn't competitive enough to show to have really rets take the place of a rogue or a hunter or a warlock or a mage. He also mentioned that the sti- once a stigma starts, especially in the case of the paladin, it's very difficult to reverse that trend. In retrospect, Kevin Jordan actually said that maybe they should have made rets completely broken for one of the patches just to change the narrative so that people would start coming around and trying out ret. And, but they seem to be too worried about the backlash that would come from other DPS classes, like warriors, rogues, etc. Uh, next, he went into hybrids and how there even being a 10% uh, you know, detriment of people who were pure DPS classes would basically essentially uh, leave them um, uh, discouraged from joining groups. People just wouldn't take them over a pure DPS. So, for example, if you're a warrior class, you really only have uh, two DPS specs and one tank spec, and so that's not considered a true hybrid. But if you look at something like a resto as a shaman who has restoration, um, elemental, and enhancement, it's actually a bad example. Um, looking at druid, which has essentially four different ways: two DPS, one healer, and one tank. Um, they seem to uh, be super behind if they're created to be even five five percent is is a risk. Um, with hybrid classes. So they wanted to avoid um, creating too much of an imbalance with hybrid classes. Jordan also went on to mention that uh, they got all this feedback and complaining um, during Vanilla WoW, and so they had to adjust um, as best they could to the basically feedback of the consumers, of the people who were playing the game. Um, He said that this was the best way to get Blizzard to do something in that people should just complain to Blizzard. However, I think this was actually just working out in vanilla because at the time he mentioned that really there's only there was only they only expected about half a million, maybe more, a couple, you know, a couple hundred thousand more subscribers and there ended up being millions. And so they had to uh, react on the spot to people's feedback to not lose them as customers. Now in the world of Blizzard and Activision, they've already got those subscribers. They know that they're going to have another expansion. They know that there's a future, and so they need to keep uh, the feedback they need to iterate on that feedback, but they're also going to keep in mind their long-term plan, and so that's why Blizzard and Activision might not react as much as uh, Blizzard back in the day would to complaints in the community. It's just simply not going to help their bottom line, and if it doesn't help their bottom line, then it might not make sense both from a overall master plan of what they want to do with the game, as well as just them making profitable, uh, making profitability. He then goes on to discuss some of the first item, how the first item designer would constantly go up to him and ask for approval on putting out, for example, a cloth piece with agility and spirit, something that you would very rarely, especially now, you can't even get those types of stats on a cloth piece. Um, but uh, in, at the time, uh, Jordan w- Kevin Jordan would approve that type of stuff because he would know full well that, there, that it was actually not a great piece. And the reason for that is because he wanted to establish essentially a standard that people would essentially start figuring out, hey, 
this is actually a bad piece. And then when they would see something, for example, as a clothware that had spirit and intellect on it, they know, oh, that's a good piece. So essentially being able to throw out these kind of crazy stat combinations to let people try it out. And then from there, they can start deciding what they think is best. And there would start to establish, there would start to be a standard for what really was a good piece of gear. Um, something that was mentioned within the interview that was quite interesting and something that I had not known was that uh, spell penetration is actually better than spell power if you're fighting something with resistance. So, for instance, if you're fighting, say, a player that's stacking shadow resistance, it's actually better to grab spell penetration rather than spell power so that you can get through that resistance. Something I had no idea about and something that was actually uh, very quickly uh, pointed out but not really stressed upon. Um, Then we moved on to the goal for resistance on bosses. Um, is actually gives a marginal benefit to a favorable spec. So for instance, let's say Ragnaros has a huge fire resistance pool. Well, the original intent of the design was to give a benefit to Frost Mages, for example, but only um, only a marginal benefit compared to Fire Mages, so that they would still bring a Fire Mage. However, when you look at the high-end uh, rating, and just in general people trying to min-max their characters, this just simply wasn't, wasn't practical, and people would end up just bringing the Frost Mage and leaving out any Fire Mages or forcing them to respec if they wanted to join the raid. Uh, Jordan also mentioned something interesting. He says that greens were randomized to create an experimental canvas, essentially to allow people to play with different stats, whereas blues and epics were more handcrafted, so they had the better stats and things that were way focused on the, the priority stats for each class. So something to keep in mind, that not all greens are necessarily designed for your class, even if it is your, um, even if it is your type of... Uh, of um, ability to wear it so for instance if you're a mage even if it's cloth it might not necessarily have the stats um, that are best in slot also an important tip um, seal of command was not designed to get partially resisted by blizzard kevin jordan mentioned that in private servers they do allow for this however they believe that when they originally designed it holy damage shouldn't have been able to get resisted since none of the players or mobs should be prioritizing for holy resistance so again, something interesting to keep in mind that on a private server that has that has hosted a a vanilla type of uh, um, you know theme uh, that seal of command might have been partially resisted. However, in the original design, they don't have that type of uh, functionality in place. Uh, additionally, he mentioned uh, Kevin Jordan mentioned that for the ninth class, it actually came down to them deciding between warlock and a class called Rune Master. And the Rune Master was essentially designed to be able to draw runes of themselves and have a similar playstyle to how monks are right now. But they decided to go with Warlock because it seemed more traditional class within the idea of MMORPGs and uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and that, those types of uh, games and, and, and theme. Also an interesting point, uh, originally... PvP was looked down upon by a lot of the team at Blizzard, except for Kevin Jordan because he because of this whole possibility of griefing. Uh, griefing is essentially the idea that people are getting camped by groups of other players from the other faction or by higher level tunes that are way stronger and just continually kill that, that low level player. However, Kevin Jordan believed that if it was done right, it could be one of the biggest things ever. 
And so he actually wrote a manifesto to Adam explaining why he's so passionate, and eventually Adam agreed, and down the line turned out to be one of the biggest advocates for PvP, and always tried to get people to do it with him. Really interesting point, considering that could have taken away a huge aspect of why I know many in, in the World of Warcraft community, but especially me, you know, I, I know that PvP is a huge reason why I play the game, so very interesting to hear that that almost wasn't even part of the game. Also, interestingly, Jordan Re- Kevin Jordan recently had lunch with Adam last year. Uh, Adam has recently moved in a big leadership position, and a lot of what they discussed, uh, they realized that they both agreed in that uh, a lot of the things that were being done with WoW simply weren't things that they would have done uh, had they um, had kind of their own say within it. Um, Adam now being in a huge leadership role, um, jo- you know, Kevin Jordan mentioned that because of this transition, Adam might. Uh, use classic to design the game how it should have been um, essentially either making changes as to how they should have been or just trying to design as pure as possible the classic experience um, another thing that they mentioned was how old content um, will uh, come into conflict with new tech so for instance programmers who are adding who are uh, programming wow classic may add dungeon finder um, or they may not but who's going to actually make that decision? They won't. They probably won't have a game designer in that programmer meeting. So do they even know to ask a question like that? Because as a lot of people know, uh, uh, LFG is a big thing of why a lot of cl- people who are no, hashtag no changes advocates are really against the whole idea of being able to form a group instantly and not really have to uh, use teamwork and coordination and communication to bring a group together. Also, another important point brought up by Kevin Jordan was the debuff limitation of 6 to 8. This was actually solely a tech limitation, and it was not a purposeful design to force you to figure out which configuration of classes should be in the group. If they could have it their way, they would have had an unlimited number of debuffs, which is a very interesting idea, and I think that it'll be interesting to see how Blizzard decides to either go with the 6 to 8 debuff limit, which they also could increase all the way to 16, um, debuff limit, or if they're just going to decide to do unlimited and really kind of do a, um, a a change to the original framework. That sums up most of the important highlights of a roughly two-hour podcast. I'll provide a link in the description of this episode in case you want to check out more and hear from the from uh, from failure analysis or Kevin Jordan himself. Uh, he's also streaming, so feel free to check out his his stream. I was checking it out this. Uh, tonight, and it looked like he was leveling up a hunter. Uh, he did mention in the episode, in the uh, podcast, in Classic Cast episode 16, that he was interested as to how they uh, designed Hunter with Focus, considering that in vanilla, they were originally going to try to put in Focus, but they decided last minute to go with Mana because they just couldn't get the Focus regeneration to work. Interesting to see him actually playing a hunter right now, probably trying to test it out and see what they decided to do with it. Next, uh, moving on to some of the bigger streams. One of the biggest streams tonight was actually a uh, basically focused on Classic. Uh, Stay Safe TV, who was also one of the interviewers in the episode we just reviewed, uh, was streaming today, and uh, he was showing a lot of the old alpha, beta, vanilla videos, and then proceeded to go into discussion all about things Classic, including his very uh, prominent stance as a hashtag no changes advocate. His really big selling point in that entire uh, in in the in the idea of no hashtag no changes is that the entire community pushed for classic and they've and we finally gotten it 
And so he said, why are we now asking Activision Blizzard to make changes to it before we even experienced it in the pure form? An interesting discussion and honestly one that I think uh, is it would be good to watch as a, a VOD if he has it up from his channel. Um, in the description, I'll provide a link to his stream so you can check out more. Uh, additionally, I was checking out Reddit and one of the biggest videos that got probably the most feedback was a uh, tips out uh, video uh, that was produced about Classic WoW and the difference in progression between Classic and Modern WoW. And one of the big reasons, and this being one of the big reasons why people are so emotionally invested in Classic and so detached from Modern Retail WoW. He makes a big point of, of highlighting how there's a disproportionate uh, disproportional reward uh, compared to the effort given in um, given in Modern WoW as compared to the effort given in Classic. In Classic, you really are given rewards based on the amount of effort you put into uh, your actual character. Whereas in Modern WoW, um, essentially you're re rewarded based on uh, with no base on the effort. So somebody who put the least effort can get the most reward out of a dungeon or a battleground, and somebody who had put the most effort and may get the least you know, uh, upgrade or no upgrade at all. So really some interesting classic uh, videos and streams and, and podcasts that came out today and, and this week. Um, I'm going to put in the description all of the links to each of the creators. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please provide feedback, applause, um, anything to let me know what you think about the episode and what you, what you would like to hear in the future. Uh, again, this is Gaines. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll see you on the next one. Take care.